privilege to be able to know that he came to this earth and was us on his mind. It's not hard for us to believe that we can need him and love him, someone who's so gracious and wonderful as he is, but how he can love us in spite of all of our faults and failures and mistakes and all that. We're so, so grateful to him. Can we just stand together and ask the just a few minutes ago, Brother uh, Marcus Turner, his son, and, uh, was having, having some issues with his heart, and uh, they, they want to pray for him tonight. So let's just take, take him and your needs before the Lord as well. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can be gathered together here tonight. It's so awesome to look out through here and see young people that desire to come together Lord, to eat, to fellowship, to be able to hear the word, to hear questions of things about life and maybe things they don't understand. Lord, we thank you for your presence being here with us. We're just asking you, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, we pray for Daniel Turner tonight. Lord, you see this prayer request I was sent, Lord, just a minute ago. We pray that in the name of Jesus, that should move forward, Lord. You see this condition in his heart. Lord, if it stays as it is or worsens, they're going to be forced to do some other things. But we pray for your mercy to him. Lord, you saw many of these young people raise their hands and not signifying a need, a desire in their life. I pray that you would just meet this tonight, Father. Help us as we endeavor to look into your word. Now. Speak to us, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'd like to read to you <clears throat> as we open tonight with... Uh, with this first question that we're going to start with. If you'd like to turn with me in the book of Amos, just a few chapters there in the book of Amos, it's a very small book, but we know the words of the prophets are important, <clears throat> whether they wrote 40 chapters or 60 or just four or five. Amos chapter three, verse seven. This will be the basis of the first question that we have. Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. May the Lord bless his word to me. Now this was the question, and it's, uh, it's got multiple parts. Very, very good question. Uh, what happens to someone when they choose to leave the message and they don't believe Brother Branham is a prophet anymore. Now there's several parts to this, but we'll take this part and then we'll address the rest of it. Now listen to the question again closely. What happens to someone when they choose to leave the message and they don't believe Brother Branham is a prophet anymore? Now Amos, the scripture that we just read, said that the Lord God would do nothing until he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. So God chose this way as a means by which he would reveal the things from his own heart. I mean, of course, this comes from the background of Deuteronomy, that the people of God, the children of Israel, God wanted to appear to them on the mountain. 
And God told Moses, now I want you to tell them to do all these stipulations and don't come at their wives and wash their clothes and do this and this and this. So whenever it come the time for the Spirit of God to come down on the mountain, they heard this tremendous blasting sound. And it was like trumpets. And it was so severe. And they began to see lightning. And they heard thunders. And they heard rumblings. And the mountain itself began to shake and tremble. And no doubt, it was a very frightening experience. And whenever this began to happen, now God was going to come down and speak to the people. So you can imagine that we were here tonight, and all of a sudden, lightning began to strike down through this building, and thunder was coming everywhere. And we started hearing these horrendous blasts of the trumpet, and it was getting so loud, and it felt like our eardrums were going to burst. And we would put our hands over our ears and, and we knew it was God coming near us. And we'd say, no, 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 no. God, we can't take it. We can't take it. Well, God honored their request. And they said, God, don't you speak to us. No, no, no. We can't take it. So God said, all right. I won't, I won't speak to you that way. But I'll send you a prophet. Then God designated in the book of Deuteronomy how you would know if a man was a prophet or not. And that was that what he had said would come to pass. So here Amos is picking up the very same thought of what God had instituted himself. That surely the Lord God will do nothing until he reveals his secrets to the servants, the prophets. And I'm sure that all of you know of friends, maybe loved ones that have turned away from the message. And it's, it's a question that we wish we really didn't have to deal with, but it's something that we need to deal with. Because how do, we, how do we deal with them? How do we treat them? I don't think that no matter who it is, whether it's a drunk, a liar, the worst sinner that ever was, I don't think we should treat anybody bad. I think we should always treat people with the right type of character, that which is pleasing to the Lord. Saying that, it does not mean that we go along with what they do. I mean, oh, there's times we have to pull ourselves away from certain people because of what they do. But I want to read to you also from Malachi chapter 4. And for most of you, you know this is a very familiar scripture. Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I. So this is God. This is not Israel. This is not the church. It's not a board of trustees or deacons. But this is God saying this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now to get to the foundation and answering this question, what happens to someone when they choose to leave the message and they don't believe that Brother Branham is a prophet anymore? It's not quite as simple as us choosing to say, well, I just simply don't believe he's a prophet. I just choose to not follow the message anymore. You see, if Brother Branham would have made himself a prophet, then he would have no doubt been a false one. But if God himself vindicated him like he did Moses, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of the prophets of the Old Testament and the ones of the New, then we have to look back and say, okay, let us consider this. If God spoke about this man, then we probably should listen because God himself surely wouldn't vindicate a liar. Would he? God wouldn't vindicate a liar. And if God would do that, I couldn't even trust God, could you all? There's no way that I could trust God if God would vindicate a liar. Now, notice in verse 6, you know, there's amazing things about the Scripture. Now, you'll find this also in Isaiah 61 and other passages of the Scripture. 
that and now the way that they divided this in the Hebrew, the way the Bible is written, it's not exactly written in the layout like we lay it out in verses. Sometimes it would just come right down from one line into another, even the way that the English translators broke it up to where that they divided it in chapters. And the Hebrew is not written that way. So it would have been as though it was just one continuous message in the way that they wrote it. Well, what's amazing is you can find a division in a verse, and you think, well, that one verse is covering one span of time, but it isn't. Isaiah 61 talks about the coming of the Messiah, and he would come, which the Lord Jesus fulfilled as his first advent, but the latter part of that verse still hasn't even been fulfilled to this day. So it's 2,000 years apart in the fulfillment between the first part of the verse and the second part. Malachi 4 is exactly the same way, Malachi 4, 6. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now this is what a prophet, the value that a prophet has to God. A prophet stood as a mediator. A prophet stood as one that could petition God. God was going to annihilate the entire bunch of the children of Israel. And Moses went before him and said, God, before you're going to block them out, block me out first. You imagine a man being willing to give his life for his people and they were so rebellious and so stubborn and God heard that man's cry and stayed his judgment because of that one man. That's the way God looks at his prophets. Now I want you to notice that God said, unless I send Elijah, I'm going to destroy the earth with a curse. That's how valuable that a true prophet is to God. Now, we know that many people that have left the message, what they've tried to do, is say, well, that Malachi 4, 5, and 6, it applies to John the Baptist. But let's look and see if that's what the Bible actually says. Now, let us turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 1, verse 13, and I'm sorry that we don't have a screen up here uh, to be able to take this, but y'all can just write it down. I'll try not to go too fast. This is John's birth being announced. Luke chapter 1 verse 13. But the angel said unto him, now this is John's father, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Now remember, this is the words of an angel. Look in verse 16. And many of the children of Israel shall return to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. This is the New Testament word for Elijah of the Old Testament. But I want you to notice the angel specifically divides Malachi 4.6 in half. Read what it says. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. But he doesn't quote the last half of Malachi 4.6. Why? Well, apparently the angel did not think John the Baptist fulfilled that last half. Okay? If he would have, the angel would have quoted the entire scripture 
and said, okay, now John is going to do the first part, and he's also going to do the last part. So, you see, it was not Brother Branham that made this up. You know, I need to find a scripture to see if I can somehow identify myself in the Word and if I can make myself above all the rest of the brothers. It wasn't actually Brother Branham that said that. Now, I know this is a big foundation that you've heard me preach so well enough to know if I build a big building, I want a big foundation first. I don't want to build the, the Eiffel Tower and it wind up being like this. <laughs> now, notice Jesus speaking about John. Matthew chapter 11, verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out to, in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment, which would have been the priests and the scribes and all of them. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet. And I say unto you, more. Wow. How could you be more than a prophet? Because he was a messenger of the covenant. Now remember, there were minor prophets in the Old Testament and major prophets. But John the Baptist was not only a prophet, but he was the messenger of the covenant, which was the New Testament. Now notice what he said. Jesus is going to identify John in the scripture. For this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee, which is not Malachi 4. But actually, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. You want to turn there. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now what the Lord Jesus did was he put a human name and human fulfillment on this prophecy right here of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. Now you realize as long as this, Bible, this scripture laid in the Bible, it never caused no problems at all. I mean, that, them scholars could read that and say, that is such a wonderful scripture. Wouldn't it be wonderful when it's fulfilled? And some of them same guys, when it was fulfilled, said, that guy's crazy. That guy's out of his mind. You understand? When the Word of God comes off of the pages of the Bible and comes into its fulfillment, that's when it causes trouble. It's no wonder that the message of this hour does exactly the same way. And that's why Satan does not want us as believers for this word to become real and it becomes off the pages of the Bible, off the pages of the quote books, into our lives. That's what tears the devil up. And that's exactly what we're going to do by the grace of God. Notice now in Malachi 3.1 Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So here, Jesus identifying John with what Malachi said and also what Isaiah said. Now, again, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Jesus had been talking about his coming and his advent in the last days. So the disciples were confused. And they said, well, how, how is it you say you're fixing to die and you're going to come back again? Well, don't, don't the scriptures say that Elijah's going to come? So this is Jesus answering. And his disciples asked him, saying, why then say the scribes 
that Elias must first come. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall. How many knows what tense that is? Future. Right? Future. Shall. Elias truly shall first come and restore all saints. Now, if that was John the Baptist, somebody please stand to your feet right now and tell me what John the Baptist restored. Now, if John the Baptist was the restoration prophet of Malachi 4, then he must have restored us to something. What was it? It was not a message of restoration. He was the messenger of the new covenant. Now, if this was John the Baptist to restore, he would have had a restoration back to the law. But John never said, go back to what Moses said. Go back. Restore is not something new. It's to return us back to something that we already had, right? right. So surely the Lord Jesus would know what tense this Elijah was. So Jesus says, yeah, yeah. He said, Elijah it is going to come. But notice how confusing this would be to people who don't understand. Elias truly shall, future tense, first come and restore all things. But I say unto you, Elias is come already. Now what would you all have thought if you had been sitting there that day and you said, this man talks in riddles. Well, this man don't even make no sense. Just tell us plainly. Is he coming or has he come? Pulse. You see, they were right in one sense. You remember in reading, whenever the Pharisees sent some people out and they said, a master to John the Baptist, and they said, our leaders have sent us to ask who you are. We want to know who you are. Are you that prophet? He said, I am not. Well, they said, okay. Well, that answers that for us. Well, they said, who are you? I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness, which was a prophet, but not the one they were looking for because the one they was looking for was the one of Malachi 4, 6. You can imagine how confusing. I said, I don't understand. What are they saying? Jesus said, Elias is coming. And then he said, well, John the Baptist was already him. So what? How can we ever clarify that? Two comings of Elijah. And both of them are identified by the same prophet in Malachi 4. Now watch Jesus says, But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, and have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Wow. John the Baptist. John chapter 1, verse 6. More said about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Okay, so let's say that we're not living in 2022. 
This is not actually September of 2022. It's September of the year A.D. 30. We've heard of a wild man that's out of the wilderness baptizing people and dress is so odd and peculiar. He eats honey and somebody told me he ate locust. And the man don't even have a suit on. A shirt like this one, you got to be kidding. The man dresses in camel's hair. He has a leather girdle, which was a wrap around his midsection here. Screaming and hollering out there in the wilderness like a crazy man. And we go out to hear him. And we're curious, of course. We love the Lord. We want to do what God tells us to do. And we're thinking, is this right or wrong? And our preachers are telling us, stay away from that guy. Stay away from that guy. He'll put some kind of hocus pocus on you. You'll get some evil spirit on you. But yet you hear him and you say, I've never heard anything like this in my life. There must be something real to this man. And maybe you start following John. Now John, he never had any miracles. This is quite amazing because generally a lot of prophets perform miracles. We have not one instance in the scripture that John ever raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out devils, opened one blinded eye. He was the messenger of the new covenant. So how would we have known then that John was a prophet if we would have took the prophetic identification in the book of Deuteronomy? How would we have known? Because we didn't see no supernatural. But what the man had to say lined up with the word. And then your mother or your father or your pastor or one of the great Pharisees of the day come up and said, Jonathan, I hear you're following that white man. Didn't I see you over there the other day? You look like to me you was nodding your head. Wasn't you there too? It would have been really risky. Now it's not so much risk here tonight for us because this is all our church people. Right? So what would it be though if you were Pharisees mixed among you and Sadducees and they were making a list? Ah, oh, I saw him. Oh, I saw y'all them noodlebeds back there in the back. Yeah, yeah, that's them. We got them. We got them. I see them back there. Okay, yeah, wait till we tell the high priest. Wait till we tell the high priest. Then when you went to the tabernacle, now remember, the only way to approach God in that day was you had to come to the place in Jerusalem. That's the only place God would receive a burnt offering for your sin. And the news went before you the next Sabbath day that you were at that meeting. You walk up before the priest with a lamb, a turtle dove, or a pigeon, and you come before it, and they whisper, he was there, he was there. And the priest said, you go sit down. I hear you attended the meeting of that false prophet. We will not offer a lamb for your sin. You say, what? But I want to make peace with God. If they didn't do it for you, you didn't get it done. That would have been terrible, wouldn't it? It would have been absolutely terrible. Now for us, we're here tonight. We're among believers. We can nod our heads. Amen. If you get really excited, you might raise your hand and praise the Lord. Why? We feel no reproach. But in that day, it must have been horrible. Well, some of them no doubt followed John. But they buckled under the pressure. And they turned and walked away. Wonder what happened to them. Now in order to get back in fellowship to have their sins atoned for, they would have had to went to the priest and said, Holy Father, I am so sorry 
I, I, I got caught up in that cult. And I, I, I really, I listen to that man. I listen to his people. But I'm begging for your forgiveness. Will you offer an atonement for my sin, Holy Father? I will, but you've got to promise you will not get around them people again. You hear me? You stay away from them youths. You stay away from them preachers. Don't you get around that John. The man is possessed of the devil. Well, according to the words of St. John here, the only way to come through Jesus, to come to Jesus, was through this man here, which bore the light of the day. I've often wondered what happened to some of those believers, because we've had them in every age, where they would follow the message of the hour initially. Under pressure, under you know whatever it is, they bow to it, and they turn and go away. Do many of them stop serving God as they think? No, they don't. Do many of them, they say, well, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to walk away from it. I'm going straight back to the world. Many of them don't. They just go right back to where they came from. Notice what the scripture said about John in verse 7 again. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. You mean through John? We see the only way to get the light of that day about Jesus, it come through this one man. It wasn't a whole school. It wasn't a Sanhedrin. It was not a whole group of people. But God revealed it to one man. And this one man didn't even know who it was until the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, On whom you will see the Spirit of God descending and remaining. This is him. So he had the light of the day. So if they turned and walked away from that light of the day, what, what happened to them? To be honest with you, it breaks my heart. In verse 8, notice how the author separates John from the light. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. And I wonder in the days of Paul, as he dealt with the same thing. What happened to some of those that believed with Paul and they followed Paul in his ministry? There was a certain one, his name was Demas, if you'd like to read with me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. This man was a, a preacher and he come from a wealthy family, had a wealthy background, and he had a, a lot of possessions in life. And he started following Paul and Paul had a great ministry. He saw Paul raise people from the dead and lay hands on people with all types of diseases and afflictions and watch God heal them. But he noticed Paul as he started going on with this word that it seemed like more and more people were pulling away from Paul. And then he noticed that Paul started having these afflictions in his body, sicknesses and his eyes got really bad where the pillar of fire had burned his eyes, which is what they say was his thorn in the flesh. So Paul had to write and use great big letters like this because Paul would look at it and he couldn't even read it. Now here's a preacher that lays hands on the sick, but he can't even read his own writing. So as he went on, people began to look around and say, you know what? Something ain't right about this guy. I've seen him pray for so-and-so and so-and-so, but did you hear what happened 
in the last town that he was in? There was a guy there by the name of Elymas the sorcerer. And that sorcerer run this supposed prophet right out of town. Did you know what they'd done to him down there in the city of Philippi? They throw that man in jail. They beat him till he couldn't hardly walk. I believe that man's losing his ministry. I believe there's something about him that ain't right. And Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, Timothy, when you come up here, and you know where Paul was at when he wrote this letter? He was in prison. So he said, Timothy, when you come from Troas, would you please bring my coat? Paul had one coat. Can you imagine a man so great that God carried him up into the third heavens and let him see things that was not even lawful to be uttered. But he was so poor, he had one coat to his name. And he said, it's getting cold up here in this jail. Would you care to bring my coat? Some of y'all's going to put yours on since the wind started blowing. But can you imagine a man that was so loved by God. A man that was so favored. And he had one coat and he said, whenever you come, bring that coat, would you? It's so cold up here. I'm, I'm shivering in this jail. And Demas must have looked at this and said, huh, something right. This man's so poor. He's got one coat. And as you know, Luke was actually a Jew. But Luke had a lot of learning under a Greek and Luke spoke fluent Greek language and wrote in Greek he wrote the book of Luke but he's also the author of the book of Acts so he's a very intellectual man Luke was not one of the original apostles but yet Luke was the one who went back to, to Jerusalem and Bethlehem and all them places he's the one that gathered all the stories from the original disciples of the Lord Jesus and wrote it down in the book of Acts don't we thank God for a man like that because many of them disciples couldn't even write it. They didn't have the ability to write it. So Luke was also a doctor. So you imagine Paul with these infirmities in his body. And Demas said, there's something wrong with this guy. He started out healing the sick and doing great signs and wonders. But now he has to carry a doctor around with him everywhere he goes. So let me ask you all. If I started getting infirmities in my bodies. <coughs> Coughs and this and that and the other. And y'all heard, I heard last time Brother Donnie went up to Brother Ron's. He had to carry a doctor with him. Oh no. He's going down to Brother Tim's, Lord willing, in a few weeks. Reckon that doctor will have to go down there with him. And now I come back and y'all say, Oh no, I heard that doctor was with him. Oh my goodness. Well, is, is he at Happy Valley? Yeah, they tell me that he's secretly coming in the study after church and seeing him. Would that affect some of y'all? It would. Good. Paul said, For Demas hath forsaken me. Yet, Brother Branham said, Demas did not go back to the world. But he went back to church. So because Demas no longer believed Paul was a prophet, he didn't go back to the world. He just went to another church. But I'll tell you one thing. I do not ever 
were to stand in Demas' shoes. Did you all? God, take me from this earth. If God has to take me to a premature grave, don't never let this be said about me. That I forsake the Lord Jesus and His Word. I know, I know. I'm finally going to get to your question. But what happens to them when they turn away? And all of us realize this, I know. And let me reiterate the question to you. What happens to someone when they choose to leave the message and they don't believe Brother Branham is a prophet anymore? But they still believe in God and still go to church. And they left peacefully. I'm glad for that part. I'm glad that people can leave peacefully. Many don't, of course. But yet, does that eliminate the exposure of light that they've had? You see, God will judge each of us by what He's made known to us and what He's shown to us. But none of us actually have the ability to look down inside of a person's soul and see, are they bride? Are they foolish virgin? Are they this? None of us. I'm glad I can't have that ability, aren't you? I'm glad that we don't have the ability. And many times we look and, and we'll judge people. And a lot of times we judge them harshly. And we judge them wrongly. But the Lord is the only one that knows whenever people will leave the Word and they become sort of like Lot. And they just become disgruntled. And we know a lot of Lot's reason for leaving was his wife. Because his wife could not bear sitting under that hard preaching. Abraham burned her up every time they went to church. Oh my goodness, the, the prophet said that them camel trains would come down through there from Egypt going up to Sodom and she would see all them latest fashions and all that stuff and even got on Sarah, that spirit got on Sarah because she came in and told Abraham, you can find this in the sermon, is anything too hard for the Lord preached in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1960. And the prophet says that Sarah come in that day in such a bad mood. Such a bad mood. He said the devil was trying to get her in that bad mood because God was fixing to visit them. That's hard for us to imagine this, but Almighty God had just created three dust bodies right down the road. God and two angels was fixing to come up to the tent of Abraham. And Satan was trying to mess up the whole scenario by putting Sarah in a bad mood. Well, praise the Lord. I wonder if any of us have been in, ever been in a bad mood? Yeah, I know that we have. I'm sure you've noticed it just like I have. If you'll have any trouble, it'll be on church day. Is that right? I don't care if we altered the days that we have it. And well, next week we'll have it on Thursday. And the week after that we'll have it on Monday. The week after that, I don't care what day we do it. It'll be one of the worst days of our lives. Why? Satan trying to stop the visitation of God. But we have to be determined. We're going to hear from the Lord. And we're going to receive something from God. So what happens to them if they believe in God? Well, in reality, it comes down to this. St. John 6, 61. When Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples murmured. Now, the Lord Jesus had just made some profound statements, but I, I didn't want to read all this because it would take up too much time if you'd like to read the background up to about verse 55 on down. He said unto them, Doth this offend you? Now, people have the idea that the Lord Jesus just tiptoed around people. You know, he didn't say anything that would hurt nobody and offend nobody. Oh, Jesus just loved everybody. No, that's Laodicea. Right. But Jesus actually said things that made people mad. Mm -hmm. Jesus preached 
And when he got done preaching, they reached down and picked up rocks to kill him with. They don't do that preaching a Laodicea message. God loves us all. God wants you to come as you are and stay as you are. And you'll go to hell as you are. But they don't tell you the last phrase. But that's where I specialize. And what they leave out. That's the kind of preacher I want to hear myself. Now Jesus had said some very offensive things. And instead of saying, Oh, I sense that I offended some of you all. I am so sorry. Would you all please forgive me? No. Verse 62 says, And what if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up to where He was? Now to us, we're Western thinking people. The Son of Man doesn't mean near to us what it did to Jews. To the Jews, this meant likening Himself to the being that John, that Daniel saw in his book. The Son of Man. With this throne and these glistening angels and these hosts. For him to call himself the Son of Man, blasphemy. So Jesus didn't get easier. He actually got harder. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. And He said, Therefore set out in front. <laughs> Don't you want to add something else to that? I said, No, ma'am, I'm fine with that. I said, Would it make you feel better? Yeah, yeah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so she had a church background. I knew that. So I said, Give me a cookie. <laughs> so, and, and she was fine. And I thought, How sad. Because she did not want to take 666 from me. Even though she's only going to swipe my credit card. <laughs> but it's amazing how people are so afraid of those numbers. But the real meaning of it, they don't even know what it is. Notice St. John 666. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now some of these people here were not just initial followers, but they actually had been made disciples. So they'd been disciplined in teaching, disciplined in doctrine. To be called a disciple was a great identity to be called. And John wants to make sure that the people for centuries to come would know how far these people went. So they didn't just come one service and say, I'll follow him. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, if I change my mind, I can wait. But these people had been through the thick and the thin. Disciples. But once they hear this, they say, no, not me. Oh, what do you reckon they done? You reckon they become Gentiles? Many of them, they, no. Oh. No doubt a lot of them went right back to the temple. They repented before their priests. And went right back before God. And no doubt some of them were the voices that screamed, Crucify! Crucify! God is the only one that knows what people will become. So, Brother Donnie, how should we treat people like this? 
That's easy. That's the easy part. Treat them with kindness. Pray for them. Well, you mean if they, if they turn and go away, can they come back? Why don't we ask Peter that? When Peter denied him and cursed, and the Lord Jesus, whenever he raised from the dead, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter that I've risen from the dead. As I said, none of us know. Okay, people cross the line? They sure can. Absolutely they can. But will any of us know that? I doubt it very seriously. Brother Brown did. Brother Brown, God showed him that he was made to where he could deal with that. I'm not. I've seen it a few times for people, and it still haunts me to this day. I've told my wife as a witness, you watch it from this night forward, for this individual will never be the same again. Uh, to be honest with you, I hope God never shows me nobody else. Because I don't want to know. To think that a person would be beyond reach. That's horrible, is it not? The young lady that Brother Brenham tried to get her to come to the altar and she wouldn't do it. She came out to the service and said, don't you never do that to me again. A pastor's daughter. Don't you never embarrass me. He said, God was dealing with you. She said, I know he was. But if I come to an altar, I won't come to the altar called with some idiot like you. He saw her a few years later in the same city. And he said she hollered at him. Hey, preach! She called him preach. Come up to him with whiskey, smoking a cigarette. Tried to get him to take her bottle and take her cigarette. And he wouldn't do it. She said, remember that night? Whenever you made the altar call, I said, God was dealing with me. You was right. And she said, I turned God down my last time. And she said, now I can see my mother's soul fry in hell like a pancake and life. Will that happen to everybody? No. Will some maybe turn, come back? Yep. So how do we treat them? I like to pe treat people like this. As if though, there is a possibility. I had alcohol on my breast. And I hope you can understand this. I've had people in our church come to the altar drinking. And whenever I would bend over like this, the alcohol on their breasts would nearly knock me down. Hard to imagine. Hard to imagine. But you know what? Until I feel the Spirit of God tell me, don't pray for them. Leave them alone. I'm going to treat them as if though there is mercy. There is love. I've heard this same story over and over again. One thing that so touched my heart when I was backslid, when I was cold, when I was drinking, you still treated me nice. Why? Love is the most powerful weapon in the world. Will some people come to this place and cross the line? They will. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known now this is the word 
that Peter chooses to use. And remember, this is quite amazing. This man that wrote this was a man that was called by Jesus. And his identity wasn't that he was a scholar and a great man. But the great man looked at these disciples and said, them men are ignorant and unlearned. We were just talking about before service. And we were talking about Brother Joel Forney. And it's absolutely a miracle. Brother Joel Forney could not read. Brother Joel Forney could not read until God saved him and called him to preach. And God gave that brother not only the ability to preach, but to be able to read his word. Look what he done for Peter. Now, Peter was an ignorant and unknown, unknown man, unlearned, just, you know, just somebody that would say, man, there ain't no hope for that guy. And then that guy wrote this. It had been better for them had they not known. Listen to this word that he uses. Epigenosis. Wow, that's quite a word for an intelligent guy. Much less an ignorant and an unknown guy. And it means to have knowledge of. To become thoroughly acquainted with. So Peter says it would have been better for them if they had never known the way of righteousness. And after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So will some do this? They will. So how do we treat them? As if those was redemption. First John says it this way, and I'll close you in a few minutes. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, the latter part of this question is this. It's a very good question in many, many parts. Will they be held accountable for knowing the message and turning away from it? Yes, they will. If they are the Lot types. Now, remember Lot was like, an, like a, between Lot and Abraham, Lot was a penny and Abraham was a silver dollar. Could Lot, even by staying at the other daughter, slept with her father? Where did they get such teaching? Not in the tents of Abraham. But look what happened to them. This is where we get the tribe of Ammon and Moab. This is where they come from. From that type of relationship. And by going to Sodom, it cost him his wife. It causes him his identity. And after he goes into this place, they just basically disappear off the earth. His legacy is not mentioned anymore instead of just a mere resemblance of it in the New Testament. Would he have been better off to stay with Abraham? Would he have ever excelled to that place? He wouldn't have. But it had been much safer than living in Sodom. Notice in St. John 9, 39, and Jesus said for judgment, I have come into this world, that they which see might not see, and that they which see might be made blind, Wow. I mean, the Lord Jesus came for that purpose that they would see, might not see. And that they which are able to see would be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, 
you should have no sin. Now you see, this is part of this, and I'm talking about when people turn away. We don't know. God only holds people responsible for what they know and what they see. And you and I may look at them and say, oh, they come to our church. They're held responsible for this and that. Well, but you see, God doesn't just hold them responsible for what they hear here, but for what God shows them. Not just in these eyes, but the eyes of understanding. So there's no doubt in my mind that people have sat in our church and they've come there and they've turned and walked away. We may think there's no hope for them at all. Oh, but you see, the Lord looks at there and sees that the scales was actually never even pulled from their eyes. They sat there for six months, maybe a year, maybe two, maybe three. They walked in blind, they walked out blind, and they go back to the Baptist church where they come from. And in one sense of the word, they will be judged for what they saw. And if they never saw the message, they never saw, they, they sat there and they struggled. They'd hear me read quotes. They said, why does he do that? I don't understand. Why does he have to do that? I don't understand. And they're being as honest as they can be. And if that's the way they are, guess what? At the white throne, they will stand before the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus will open his book. And he will look at them, scan down through their life. Oh, I see here you attended that Happy Valley Church. That was, that was my church. Yes, yes, I founded that church. That church belonged to me. I see you sit there and you struggled. You never could understand. Someone gave you a book. Someone gave you a tape. Yes, I see. You, uh, you, you tried. You, you went there. But you never could really see. You were judged based upon what I showed you. And others may walk up right beside them and say, I see you attended the same church. I see you saw what was being said. But you absolutely refused to walk in it. Isn't it amazing the judgment of those two people will be total opposite? Why? God holds us responsible for what we see. You understand? Aren't you glad God ain't going to hold you responsible for what He's going to hold the preacher responsible for? Now you imagine a preacher that sits and studies. Remember the Daryl travel a lot together and we preach together and we hunt together. And whenever I go to hunt, I don't just go to hunt, but I go to study. And I'll take my iPad, sometimes I'll have two iPads in the deer stand with me. And I'll have a little old thing, a little earbud in my ear, and I, before daylight I'll listen to a little, little MP3 player that I've got. And I've got a little note thing there, and I write down, you know, quotes and things that I'm hearing, and I'll sit there. Uh, a couple years ago, we was in Illinois, and Brother Darrell come up to check on me, and we'd ate supper, and I went upstairs to study. So I had a laptop sitting here on the floor. I had an iPad laying here on the floor. And I had another one laying here on the floor. And I had my phone, which I have the message and the Bible, also on my phone. So I was studying from four different references. And Brother Darrell walks in and looks at me and says, Lord have mercy. He said, Brother Donnie, that would drive me crazy as much as you study. Why? Does that make me any better, Brother Darrell? No. Does that make Brother Darrell any less of a man? No. It just makes each of us operate under what God's give us. So will God make me answer for him? No. Make him answer for me? No. We answer for each other. But I'm glad God has it that way. So how do we treat these people? This is the last part of this. What advice do you have when our friends 
leave the message. I'll close with the same prophet that we opened with, Amos 3.3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can you be an acquaintance with someone like that? Yes. Can you speak to them? Of course. Will it come a time that you will more than likely have to separate yourself from that individual? Yes. But do it as peaceably as you can. Romans 16, 17 says it this way. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Now there will be some people that will leave and they'll just go their own way. And they, hey, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with it. Y'all go on if that's what you want to do. But it ain't for me. But there's others, as we well know, and they will run us down and they will cause all kinds of trouble. Well, when it moves into people causing offenses, then it comes to a different thing than just a casual acquaintance. Or, hey, how you doing? It's been a while since I said, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, how are you doing? Doing good. You're still going to the church over there? Yeah, for a while we're moving. we got a new place. And we're coming. Come see us sometime. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you. But then if people go, that William Brown was a false prophet. That Donnie Reagan ain't nothing but a liar. That Daryl Ward, I heard. What a privilege for us to be able to gather and to be able to address such things. And you can see why that it would be a little difficult to be able to preach along these lines. First of all, it's very hard for me to stand still in front of these two phones. <laughs> but in one sense, in one sense, you can focus more on, on a certain area and stay within that area in a setting like this. And I appreciate the opportunity to be able to come and speak to you. And I thank each one of you for, for coming and attending. And I, I hope that it will be a blessing and a, and a help to you. Just just bow heads together if you would. Lord Jesus, I know I've spoken some serious things tonight. Lord, you know that I was already ready for this service tonight. But strangely, yesterday, you began to deal with me. And this morning I woke up at 410. I couldn't go back to sleep and I lay there. And your presence come near me in the room where I was, Father. And you started giving me some more of these scriptures. So I don't know exactly the reason for it. But I've been following you long enough to know it's important to follow your presence always. So I pray that you'd help each of us here tonight, Father. That we would be able to search. Maybe this wasn't just to answer this question. Maybe it was for someone else that will hear this service. I don't know exactly. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand. We have been given a great privilege to walk in the light of the day. We never want to turn from it. And if we have friends or loved ones that we think so much of, and they have, help us to love them. Help us to pray for them. Help us to have the right attitude. And help us, Lord God, that we can show them the Lord Jesus. Who knows? They might be redeemable yet, and we might be able to bring them back to you. Keep us now, Father, by your grace. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.
Is that a frog saying amen or old man? <laughs> I don't know frog language too well. Look, I'm saying, sing some forth with Jesse. You want to bring your brothers with you or do it by yourself? How do y'all want to do it? Don't sing together. No, don't even solo. <laughs> solo. Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank y'all for setting this up for, for the others too. I was afraid that we'd get in trouble if we didn't try to record it some way. I know it may seem simple, but people from Africa, India, Europe, all over the world have streamed these question and answers. No doubt God laid on some of y'all's heart to ask, and there's really a question that was troubling you. There'll be all kinds of people that'll be blessed by it. Something keeps holding me Oh, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord. 